life is messy is because we have this challenge in the hearts of all people that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak that there's the right intentions but we oftentimes lack the ability to follow through the self-control to follow through it's not that we don't want to it's that we want to but for whatever reason we can't seem to get that thing done There's a fundamental truth that every believer, really every person, needs to grab hold of. Life is messy. Today, Pastor Daniel will talk in depth about this reality and why when you accept Jesus as your Savior, that doesn't change. You're still human. Though your heart may be willing, your flesh is definitely weak. Pastor Daniel will share as well how even in the mess, you can rely on God's goodness and grace. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 7 as he begins his message, Seeing Clearly. So there's a common piece of wisdom that you hear a lot, been attributed to a lot of different people, and that's that true wisdom is knowing that there's certain things that you don't know. Right, like we always think wisdom is like this is the stuff that I know or I understand, but wisdom is also knowing that there's certain things that you don't understand, that you don't have all of the wisdom that you need in a particular area. But the problem for most of us is we just always assume that we know how everything works, right? Like we we have this idea that like, oh, of course I understand what what the variables of this thing are. And I remember I'm always learning this because life is a great teacher of those things. I remember like most kids when they're growing up, I hit my teenage years and it was quite apparent that my parents had no clue about much, you know? And, And it's part of your classic teenager. It's like you're coming of age and you're feeling like, you know, listen, I really know what's going on. I'm coming into my own. And my parents, obviously, they just don't have a clue about anything. You know, and I remember everything that would go on, I would be like the child who would always be, you know, kind of talking trash. Oh, yeah, of course. You know. And then I remember after I graduated college, and I moved out of uh, out of my parents' home, and uh, I started to pay my own bills. It's kind of like a rude awakening. Right? Because you start to learn over time that how much you take for granted. And so I remember, for me, I was... Uh, about to pursue a career in music, but I was actually uh, working at a, at a bakery to pay my bills, kind of a classic musician story. Like, I'm going to be an actor, but I'm working at a restaurant as your server, you know? And so I'm going to be a musician, so I'm working at this bakery. But I had, I had maxed out the credit card that I had to buy gear, because I'm a musician, so I need to have all this gear, because I needed to look the part before I could become the part, you know? And so, so I, I, had, I had no room on my credit card, and sure enough, it was like, uh, you know, I was getting paid from the bakery in like three days and I had a couple gigs coming up on the weekend but we were out of money and I lived in a house with two other guys who I was playing music with so if one of us was out of money we were all out of money because it was kind of like we were living communally in that way and we had no food we have no toilet paper in the house it was a bad scene you know a total you know guys fresh out of school trying to start anything and I 
remember, you know, we all kind of pooled our change together. This is before we were wise enough to like take all of our spare change and throw it in a jar because you'd always need that money. And so we didn't have any money. And so we were like all throwing what we had together. And I remember as we're throwing our money together and there's not a lot of money there. I remember that because I'm all Italian from New Jersey, when you get a new car, your family goes and they throw change in your back seat. And it's like, I don't know why. I still don't understand why you do it. It's like, good luck. They take a a red ribbon and stick it under your seat. They throw change in your back seat. And I remember thinking to myself, I got money in my back seat, you know? And so, and and I I felt a little bad about that because I wanted them to give us bad luck. But listen, when you have no toilet paper, no food, and there's three guys, you need to do something. And so I remember I went there and I remember I went to the supermarket and I remember I had like $2.47. That's what three musicians could put together for two days. And I remember going there and, you know, and you're like, toilet paper? And then you're like trying to find any sort of food that had any sort, like would fill your belly that could last you. So I ended up with a pound of rice, you know, because, you know, we were guys, so we had enough condiments. You could do rice with ketchup, rice with mustard, you know, rice with Italian dressing, you know. So I got a pound of rice and I knew we needed to eat, you know, and I'm like, but we do need toilet paper as well. And I could even buy like a four pack. Because I went up to that, because I forgot about tax, you know? So you go up there, and you have your, and, and, and you put it in, like, you don't have enough money. And this was before, like, people were nice. They had, like, to give a penny, take a penny little box. You know, so I remember being like, oh, no, okay, I'll be right back. And I went back, and I just got, like, two individual rolls, you know? And the poor lady at the, at the register just looked at me just like, what's wrong with you, <laughs> you know? And, but, but literally, I, remember I went home with a, with, with a box of rice, and two rolls of toilet paper. And I remember I looked at, at the guys I'm living with. I'm like, no, listen. No 25 wipes. You got to get it right the first time. <laughs> you know? Now, at this point, we're, we're sitting. And these are my friends, you know, but like you're rationing toilet paper. And we all are like, did you ever run out of toilet paper when you were growing up? Was there ever enough food in the pantry when you were growing up? And we were like, no. And we were all like, we all like took turns calling our parents. You know, like, I just want to say thank you so much. Because like, like, we didn't realize that like, you know, your parents had to like put food in the pantry. And, and they had to put toilet paper in there. And I, we never like, if we ran out of toilet paper in one bathroom, you go to the other bathroom and you steal the roll. But there was always toilet paper in the house. I never had that experience. But it was amazing how at that moment, all of a sudden, it was almost as if, glasses were put on and I could see clearly for the very first time. And in a lot of ways, that is what Jesus does, where all of a sudden something's out of focus and then by the lens of the Holy Spirit, things start to be able to be brought into focus, right? It's like there's these things that don't make, it's unclear and then all of a sudden your eyes get tuned in and you see exactly what something is. And so, in this secret sauce series that we're studying together, today I want to share with you like an open secret, right? Like a secret that maybe it's a secret, but everybody knows it. And really what I'm hoping is, my hope is that the Spirit of God would be the lens through which all of a sudden you begin to see clearly. And if you've been around Crossroads for any length of time, You have heard these things. In some ways, the packaging for today's message is kind of, this is who we are at Crossroads. But I really believe that if we can remember these three pillars of life, 
you will always be able to see clearly and no matter what you're experiencing. So open up in your Bibles to the book of Romans, Romans chapter seven, verses 13 to 25, Romans seven, verses 13 to 25, or the second half of Romans chapter seven. And in a lot of ways here, we're at the middle of our secret sauce series. Really, we're taking Romans 6 and 7, and then we'll have Romans 8. We'll be starting that in the subsequent times together. And we'll take a, we'll go significantly slower through Romans chapter 8, but Romans 7. So, really, the Apostle Paul has been focusing us down on how does the law work? What does the law do for people and for you and I? And really what we've been seeing, and we're going to pick up in verse 13, and we're going to see that Paul's continuing a simple thought. Notice what he says there. He says, has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So really what's going on here is that the Apostle Paul is making the case that the law of Moses, God's revealed standard of what is righteous or right or wrong, the law is good, it's holy, it's right. So the problem is the law. He's like, really the problem is what goes on when I as a person interact with the law. Because the law is good, but because there's this prohibition, now all of a sudden my will kicks in. And like all people, I want to do what I'm not supposed to do. Right? And what's funny is, is as we've been exploring this together, it's just such a common human condition, isn't it? It's like the one thing that you're not supposed to do, when someone tells you you're not supposed to do it, it's the only thing you want to do. It's like, for whatever reason, in our rebelliousness, that's what happens. And so Paul asks a simple question. Has then what is good, the law, become death to me? He's like, actually, certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sinful, was producing death in me through what was good. So that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So this is the human condition. Now, I'll say it to you this way. And if you've been around crosses at all, you've heard me say this a million times. But this is one of the keys to seeing clearly every single day. First, the fact that life is messy. Life is messy. And the reason I say life is messy here is because every single person is in the same spot. You have the good revealed will and purposes of God, right? And then the problem is not... The word or God's will, the problem is as God's will relates to who we are. And what you find is that with a righteous standard, right away, the righteous standard isn't the problem. Me interacting with the righteous standard is the problem. And so there is this, if you remember the early cartoons, remember uh, Bugs Bunny or whoever would have the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder? Well, guess what? The reason we all love those parts of the cartoon is because that's kind of real, isn't it? It's like all of a sudden you're like, you know, you've made this commitment that you're not going to eat ice cream. I don't know why you'd make that commitment, but sometimes you make those type of commitments, you know what I mean? And then sure enough, like you go over to your friend's house and are like, man, you'll never believe it. You're like, oh, what? I got this sea salt caramel gelato. Now, you know that gelato is not ice cream, but it's a lot like it, right? And then you say, think to yourself, well, I'm not supposed to be eating ice cream. And then you say, but it's gelato. Right? And you know, you know, like in principle, 
the gelato's out too, right? But you never had that sea salt caramel gelato. And you're like, man, I bet that's really good. And then you're like, well, no, no, I'm fine, thank you. And then your friend takes a bite and they get that little twinkle in their eye. A smile moves across their face and they say something like, oh, this is awesome. You sure you don't want some? And you grab that thing and you start shoveling it in your mouth, right? At that moment, there's that valley of decision, right? And you know the temptation is there, but you know for whatever reason, you're like, I don't want to. See, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that the problem is, is that for every single human being, and he's using himself as an example, life is messy because God has a revealed plan, but there's other factors involved. And it's the factor of the indwelling nature of sin. And he even says by verse 14, Paul is so unashamed to be able to be real about the human condition. Notice what he says. For we know that the law is spiritual. It's a God-breathed thing. But I am carnal, sold under sin. He's saying God's law is eternal and spiritual because God is spirit. But me, I'm earthbound. I'm fleshly. The idea of carnal literally means I am given by default over to rebellion against God. I'm sold unto sin. I've been in bondage to sin. And here's the thing. The reason life is messy is because for every single person, this is what's going on. There is God's spiritual revealed will that we have in the scriptures. And then there's us and our wants and desires. Now, is anyone here want to say, I am the one person who I always am the best version of myself. My desires are always right on, perfect. I always say the right things. I always do the right things. My f- social media posts are always really super loving. Everybody, anybody want to own that here at Crossroads today? Bueller, Bueller, anybody? Didn't think so, Right? And the reason life is messy is because all of us have these valley of decision moments. My wife calls them the God pause moments. Where there's like, there's this thing, and you know you don't want to do it, and you're just kind of like there, and there's this moment, you know? And for everybody, it's like that. That's the problem with humanity, is that life is messy. Because... Right as one person makes a decision that goes against God's revealed will, things start to break down. I mean, even think about the idea in the scriptures of the word peace, right? The Hebrew word for that is shalom. And shalom actually means complete and total flourishing of all of creation. Not just you individually flourishing. See, when we think of flourishing today, we're like, man, I want to flourish. I want everything to work out for me. See, the Hebrew word shalom means everything flourishing. All of humanity, of every different nationality and socioeconomic status, and all of creation as well. Because what happens is when the created order stops flourishing, then guess what? It impinges upon the flourishing of humanity. And so the idea of biblical shalom is everything working together. And the reason life is so messy is because for every single human being, we have this value of decision. And the apostle Paul is like, no, the problem is, the problem is the fact that there's God's perfect plan and then there's the stuff that I want. 
What's amazing is, is Jesus spoke about this. Listen to Matthew chapter 26, verses 40 and 41. It says, then he, speaking of Jesus, came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. Now you realize this little scripture that I just read to you was Jesus was about to be betrayed. He was about to be crucified. And he grabbed Peter, James, and John out of all of the 12 disciples, the three who were the closest to him. And he said, hey, listen, will you come and join me? I'm going to go over there and pray. Will you just hang here and pray with me? Like, it was like Jesus knew what was coming. He wanted his people there. He wanted the support of friendship. And Jesus went away to pray, and then he comes back, and Peter's cutting wood snoring. Now, the Bible doesn't say he was snoring, but you know that Peter was a snorer, right? You can just imagine. You see Peter's personality, and you know that, you know, Jesus comes back over. He's hoping that his boys are there praying, and Peter's passed out in a food coma after the Passover Seder, you know? And and Jesus is like, Peter, you sleeping on me? And he says, watch and pray lest you enter enter into temptation. Why? Because... Jesus knew that Peter was going to even deny that he knew Jesus in just a few hours. Instead of praying and seeking God, Peter was snoozing on the job. And he says, listen, you know what the problem is, Peter? You have a willing spirit, but you have weakness in your flesh. And guess what? Same's true for me and you. See, that's the thing. For us, someone who's a follower of Jesus, now I realize here at Crossroads, not everyone is a follower of Jesus here. And I always say that if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I am absolutely grateful that you would come and explore Jesus with us here at Crossroads. Like, like that's an honor to me. We want you to be here. And we don't ever, we, we don't like, you know, when someone's coming into Crossroads, we'll say, hey, listen, you know, are you a believer, the right type of believer? Do you read the right translation of the Bible? Are you wearing a tie? Or I can't believe you're wearing a tie. Or, you know what I mean? Like, we don't do that kind of thing. A lot of churches, you walk in the door and you know that you're not supposed to be there. It's not one of those places. Right? So I realize that not everyone here is a follower of Jesus. We're all in different steps of our faith journey. And so I'm just happy that you're here. But here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you totally understand the my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And if you're like, well, actually, I've never experienced that. If you're reading through the Bible with us, you're going to learn it this week as we start to read Leviticus together. <laughs> Isn't it true? I remember the first time I tried to read through the whole Bible, right? And I made it right about to where we are now, at the book, end of the book of Exodus. And then Leviticus came on. I'm like, what is this? And instead of reading through Leviticus, I'm like, I'm just going to go read the Gospel of John. I need something I can understand right now. It's like you want to read through it and you want to understand it, but then you get into it and it's not easy. And right away you're like, oh man, I don't want to read through all this. You know, and then you start flipping, you get past Leviticus, you realize the book of Numbers, it's like the first bunch of chapters of list of names. You're like, man, I got to read those list of names, you know? And then before you know it, you fall off the Bible reading plan, right? But we understand that. And the reason life is messy is because we have this challenge in the hearts of all people, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, that there's the right intentions, but we oftentimes lack the ability to follow through, the self-control to follow through. It's not that we don't want to, it's that we want to, but for whatever reason, we can't seem to get that thing done. 
to finish that job, right? It's like, or, you know, I always do this where when it's uh, the time changes, I'm always like, listen, now that the time has changed, I'm going to keep getting up earlier, right? Because, you know, and then sure enough, it's like, I'm great for four days, four days. It's like, I'm like right on it. Cause you know, it's like, you know, the, the, when the time goes, you know, I guess it's when you time goes whichever direction, you know what I mean? I can't even think about, it. you know, it's like all of a sudden, like you're, you know, you're getting up and it's your body's used to getting up a certain time and now it's now early. I'm going to stay there. I'm not going to let it adjust. Cause I want to work out and spend time with the Lord and do all this thing. And then sure enough, four days later, all it takes is like, you know, one of the kids gets up in the middle of the night and then I push that time back. And then I'm like, Oh man, I want, there's good reasons to get up early for me, but to follow through on it, it's hard. And for each one of us, when we all live into that reality, guess what? It makes life messy for everybody. So life is messy. You have to keep that lens on. And no matter how much you love Jesus, life's still going to be messy. Right? It's not like you put your faith and trust in Jesus and now all of a sudden life doesn't get messy. No, it's like now all of a sudden life gets even more messy because you begin to realize how much messes you've been creating. Right? Wisdom is knowing that you don't know. How many of us when we came to know Jesus realized, I can't believe I used to live like that. I can't believe I used to do that. I can't believe I created all that stuff for all these people to have to deal with. And so life is messy. But Paul doesn't just leave us with life is messy. That's not the whole story. That's just one pillar of a lens that we need to see. From there, look at what he says in verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. And what I want, will to do, that I do not practice. And what I hate, that's what I do. And if then, verse 16, I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin That dwells in me, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present within me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. See, you see what Paul, now Paul's speaking of the internal struggle that he has. There's what he wants to do and it's what he actually does. And he's like, I don't understand why I do this. Does everyone understand what this feels like? You've, you've had this moment after you do something wrong and you're like, I wanted to do something else, but I did this thing. Now here, this is an important part of the lens through which you need to see it clearly. And you're going to love this. What what is Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, my problem is me. That's what he's saying. My problem is what? Is me. Now, what's so powerful about that reality is for many of us, we want to say, my problem is you, right? My problem is this circumstance. It's like, no, no. Paul's saying, no, my problem is, my problem is me. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that your life is messy. It isn't just you. It's a truth for everyone. Human nature causes messes, even after salvation. Your flesh is weak, and you can't fix it on your own. There's an even greater truth Pastor Daniel asked you to remember today, too, though. Jesus is greater. 
and stronger than any amount of trouble you can create. And he's there to help you start fresh when you come to him. Hey, everybody. I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at CrossroadsChurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel continues to discuss the messiness of life. He'll remind you that you can't blame everything on others. You need to take responsibility for the difficulties you've caused yourself and others. But there's something else to add to the equation. Jesus is real and alive. Join us next time to remember how wonderful life can be when you live under the love of Jesus. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Secret Sauce. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.